I think part of embracing the creator economy yeah. is not that you have to go out and be a creator, yeah. but that you get to consciously consume other people's creations. Mm -hmm. And I get to be discerning. And that's the difference. I choose which Patreons, which Substacks, yeah. which buy me a coffees I'm giving money to. Yeah. And it really ranges the gamut for me, but I'm never f and ever feeling like I'm not getting what that 10 or $30 is worth. You're listening to Nourish the Risk Takers. I'm your host, Marisa Lowen. In this podcast, we explore the intricacies and complexities of asking for and receiving help. So unusual for me to not be the one asking the questions. You get to lay back, you. you get to relax. Right. It's, I'm nourishing it's, you in this podcast. It's a much different feel. So I am Briar Harvey, and I am the founder of the Neurodiversity Media Network. And what we do is partner with exceptional risk takers who are doing wonderful things in the world to create what ends up being like a master class. With some people, it's longer term, but for most people, I'm doing four to eight hours of this is the thing that they do really, really well. And so we break this all down. There are master class episodes I'm recording every day having an amazing conversation with someone. I truly think that's my favorite part. And really getting to unpack the good work that's being done in the world right now. Now, Briar, who, who do you want to be? Oh, you bring this up because it, it, it amuses me. Like the smarter, sexier Joe Rogan, baby. <laughs> and it's you're done you already you're, you're already there except for the mass sponsoring uh you know, except for all, except for the paycheck i'm the totally paycheck. there yeah yeah it wasn't a, a huge leap but now the money part has to we have right. to match that part otherwise you're you're you've met the goal uh in the first two two requirements there anyways so we talk a lot about uh, because I'm one of those exceptional people that Briar has a conversation with on the Neurodiversity Media Network. But we talk about asking for help. Now we're going to talk about, about that too on this this side. But one of the things that um, is always interesting is that Briar and I share uh, your ADHD too, right? You've got ADHD. Mm -hmm. I'm not, yeah, high five. Um, for those <laughs> people are always like, oh, you're either ADHD or you're autistic. And there's me in the middle. We're like, no, the whole thing doesn't work. I got bipolar too. Oh, you've so, got an extra. you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. You, it's a lovely, lovely mix of, of goodies in, oh, in, yes. in the whole. It's delightful thing. in my brain. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have conversations that tend to 
center around neurodiversity and mental health and um, those kind of things. So this is going to be an interesting podcast. Let's dive in deep because I love that kind of stuff. So you have created the Neurodiversity Media Network. Now you were the systems witch when we first met. Um, and then you, you started creating this Neurodiversity Media Network over the last like what month, two months, three months? You're we started in January. In January. Okay. And we're in April now. So yeah. So you're heading into your fourth month where you are now creating your next quarters of, of content. I saw that you were looking for requests. Why do we need a neurodiversity media network? So I think the thing about traditional media is that it's not accessible. It's designed, well, we could talk for days and days about what traditional media is designed to do, but it's not meant to educate. And it definitely doesn't get people who, I mean, you can, let's take the New York Times. You can read the New York Times. They have a podcast now. You can listen to some important news stories on the New York Times. You cannot go and watch people on the New York Times. I'm not sure we want to watch that particular conversation. But if I want to watch, I'm limited to CNN or Fox News, or MSNBC, and truly, I don't really think any of them are great options, not at this point in time, and not for a lot of reasons. So what we've built is something that comes in all formats. It starts as a live stream. It turns into a podcast and a written transcript. It turns into a blog post. But I think what I love about it is the way that it's accessible to the people that I'm working with. So you are really good at marketing and networking and getting your stuff out there. You are probably one of the few of my people who is good at that. And I have an entire course that's how to sell before, during, and after a podcast. <laughs> Which is, you are somewhat anomalous here in that for many of them, they don't actually, they don't have a podcast. Right. They don't regularly live stream. Yes. They don't create SEO based content that would help them get clients long term. And so for four to eight hours, we talk about this thing that they're really good at and then they get to take those four to eight hours and turn it into an endless stream of content. It already was live streamed. It already is a podcast, but now they can go turn it into short form video. Mm -hmm. They can go and take snippets out as Mm -hmm. written content because we give them transcripts. So it's all there. Right. Yeah, it, we were just actually talking about this in the catalyst right before I hopped onto this because I'm also doing a series of podcasts. Obviously, you're on this one um, as well as be in the room. And yeah, I'm on that making, one too. Yeah, and we're making all that content available. I mean, shout out to Podium, who basically just runs our life now. But like, 
and I'll put that link in the in the comments if you want to try out this incredible AI tool that Briar and I are using to make our lives so much easier. So much faster. But we're creating all this content and we're and then we're letting you like go. Now if you want to create more content, you know, go. And it's such a great opportunity to to talk about what you do throughout the whole year. I mean, I always say there's the whole Gary V where he's like create 80 pieces of content and people are like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, actually it's probably 160, 300. Like you, because you can talk about this and you can reflect back. You can show a quote, you can show an audiogram, you can show a video, you can do that over and over again and have that. And in different places, like we were just talking, we're like, Oh, actually I'm going to have to put, I'm going to put Pinterest um, pictures on here. I actually just started getting myself set up to add Pinterest into my, my cycles. So yeah. yeah. And, And then I said, you know, we can actually turn the quotes thanks to podium we can turn the quotes um into idea pins and you know like those are these these little workshops that we these little mini master classes what you're doing so people can do that too they can go take their master class that they did with you and then take out a few points create a you know a 20 um slide idea pin and that lives forever the we talk about short form content but that stuff's coming up over and over again, it's played. And when there's not a lot of people competing in the late, you know, landscape like idea pins right now, you can really excel really high there. Um, and the, those things are like, I talk about this all the time, we can repeat the content over and over again. Even if you use the quote in January, use it again in July and October. Well, because one to 5% of your total audience on whatever platform that is saw it in the first place. And if they see it again, all that is doing is help reinforce your key message and it'll feel familiar. And they're more likely to engage on it the second or third or fourth time that they see it because it now feels familiar to them. They don't even remember that they saw it. And if they did, the greatest thing is like, I remember when you posted this last year and it it did this. Now they've created this content, which new people see and go, oh, wow, I got to follow this person because they're changing lives out here. Mm hmm. It's really important, I think, that we let go of that idea of repeating ourselves. And the faster we do that, the faster we're going to make momentum happen. Yeah, I always say that you think you've said it 10,000 times, but somebody's just hearing it for the first time. For the first time. And even if they've heard it for the seventh time, they're just understanding it or just noticing it. And then they're understanding it and then they're engaging with it and then they're actioning on it. It takes time. When we look at change management processes, this isn't like I put out one post on Thursday and we expect to change (laughs) everybody. Change management happens over six, 12, you know, 24, 48 72 months we're looking at long term and even more when it comes to public policy that's just within a corporation we might be looking at when it comes to public policy and creating um, community engagement these things will take decades to change the way we do things so why is that any different in your marketing (laughs) you're not special uh it's the same thing so when we look at that i think this is a really great opportunity you're helping them create the content helping pull the ideas out helping them to go and and basically talk about what they love to talk about for for a good chunk of time now i want to talk specifically about the way you've set this up this is on substack And I'm going to put the link up here. If you're watching this, please do check it out. 
Now, when I say this, become a founding member, this is this is a really interesting point, because if you haven't been to Substack, they're basically paid newsletter style websites. And what I mean by that is that they've really taken that model. When we used to watch blogs or listen to blogs that we used to have the RSS feed and it told us when our favorite blog would post a new thing. And then we immediately went and read that blog post. We've lost that a little bit when they retired RSS. So what Substack and Ghosts and some of these paid newsletter sites are doing is that they know that we've got so much stuff to do. So when Briar posts a, a, a podcast or any kind of article on the Substack, it then emails everybody who follows. Okay, so you really get out of your own way of being like, I'm not going to post this. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to. Ah, ah, I made this content and no one's going to ever know about it because Substack's like, I want to tell everybody for you. And it goes and does that. So Briar's basically creating this pipeline where you create you create the, the content. You don't really realize what you're 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 basically ideating in your genius and putting it out into the world. And then Briar's distributing it for you to the people now. It only works if people, I need to be pointing this way. It only works if people become founding members. And this is what I think is a really interesting aspect of nourishing the risk takers, because what you're doing is basically saying by becoming a founding member, not only are you supporting the neurodiverse folks that are creating content on here, but you're employing me and one other person to do this. Let's talk about that. What does that mean to you? You know, I've struggled with this for a long, long time. There's something about producing content paid that can be very similar in feel to influencing, which I think people are probably rightly skeptical about a lot of the time what's an influencer who are these people and do they actually have the credentials to speak about the thing that they're speaking about and i have so obviously multiple diagnoses my oldest child is 21 and was diagnosed as autistic when she was six. I have now a good chunk of my lifetime spent advocating and doing this work. And also, in the back of my brain, there's always that, but you don't have a college degree. So when it came to selling my stuff, there was a lot of reluctance there. and. What I decided I wanted to do was figure out a way to vet the information. It is yeah. about finding the people who know the things and learning those things from people who are smarter than me. That's basically what you go to college for, right? Yeah. I'm just compressing all of that okay. into four to eight hours. Okay. So how are you vetting people? So at this point in time, no one has approached me and said, hey, I'd like to have a show on the Neurodiversity Media Network. It will no, happen you're, eventually. You're, you're out here peddling, hey, hello, 
You're hello. having a podcast with me on Tuesday. I've seen it in action. It's just like, <laughs> hello. Are you are you currently voicing your opinions in the world? Excellent. I would like to book you for a podcast. How's Tuesday at three o'clock? Here's your link. Here it's in your calendar. And then next thing you know, we all have podcasts. But the thing is, is that there is absolutely a process. How are you doing the work? Are you truly showing up as who you say you are in the world? Most of the people that I started with were people I'd known for several years whose right. work I'd potentially paid for, people who had potentially paid me. There is a lot of true resourcing going on here as to these people's actual credentials. So when I say Marisa knows everything there is to know about building community. I would say um, no, but I am on, like a very active researcher and studier and in, in pursuit of mastery. And have been building communities for how long? I mean, a long time, a really right. long time. Yeah. And that's true of everyone that I have on. They are people that I have approached because I see the work that they're doing in the world. It's not about their ads. It's not about their social media. It's about the actual things that they have done. And that that's who I want to learn from. I think that old nag about those who can't do teach is not accurate but those who have done yeah can teach better i think your content though is not just teaching it's really it is co-creating it's ideating like they're even though you're interviewing them you're bringing out new concepts and ideas with them even in the process of recording it so it's it's not just teaching, you know, here, I'm going to teach this class. And at the end, you're going to have a, you know, walk away. I think what you're doing is actually creating commentary and inviting um, more ideas to happen. So I will say this about Joe Rogan. The man does know how to ask a good question. And he says of himself fairly frequently that he used to, you know, get people to eat bugs for a living. So maybe you shouldn't take him so seriously. What's key is that being able to ask the right questions from a skeptical point of view yeah. allows you to flesh out your thought process in a way that perhaps you might not have done so before. Because you have to be able to validate the idea and the teaching to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think 
I, I think a lot of times too with neurodiverse folks is we tend to be a little insular. We, we tend to be uh, uh, in our thoughts a lot, not, not necessarily because we want to keep them close to us, but because there just isn't anyone else necessarily around that wants to hear us go on <laughs> for eight hours about. You don't want to hear about month. my special interest. Yeah. Right. And so there, you know, was it, was it called input? I was funny. Somebody, we were talking to Karina this morning and I said, I wanted to say there is no such thing as like info dumping in the catalyst. Cause we're all doing it all the time and nobody will ever, everyone will like, do you want to see this? Like how many times we're like, do you want to see this cool thing I made? Yeah. Everybody does. Like we're literally five-year-olds in that room. Like, do you want to see this cool thing I did? Yes, of course we do. Like, and we're, you know, like there's never an end to it. But, you know, same thing what you're doing there too, is you're basically saying, here's an opportunity where we can allow people to be in their element. Now, I want to get back to this founding member funding model. I'm not going to let you oh, you're shy not away me. from it very much here. Now, when we first started talking about paid, um, having paid sponsorship for this, I said one of the reasons why they should pay it is because like, you should actually put on there that you and one other member will be paid a salary. And I remember you were like, mm. <laughs> like you're just like, I'm going to turn my microphone off for a bit. I hear you, but I'm also going to not respond right away. And I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I'm like, I thought this was the plan all along. And you were like, microphone off, going to going, going to go sit in the maybe muted spot. We didn't have the maybe muted spot yet, but it was, it was metaphorically there. And then you were like, okay, okay. Yes. Why was it so hard for you to be paid? So there's the, the paid media model. Why is it so hard for you to be paid? Well, what is media? Who defines it? What does it mean for people to be the experts? And I think in a lot of our media, there is an uncomfortable parasocial relationship with the people who are giving us that information. Why? It's our right to have news, right? It's our right, right to be told the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. And cultivating that is an obligation and a responsibility, which I, as an ADHD, sometimes struggle with. Please don't ask me to post something every Tuesday at 10 o'clock or it will never happen. Mm -hmm. So having paid subscribers felt scary because it was a commitment. So are you committed to the neurodiversity media network? I am. Okay. The other side of it too, is like when we think about media, a lot of people are like, Oh, gate walls, horrible. I should get access to the media. I should be able to read this for free. And there's a whole side of that, but it's like, okay, but the person who uploads the story to the website deserves to get paid. The So the same folks that complain about media gate, gate walls also complain that we should be paying people more. 
And it's like, where does the money come from? And they're like, well, ads, obviously. And it's like, you also don't like ads Mm -hmm. on the screen. So where would you like this magical money to come from to pay people more? And I think this is a really interesting discussion for Nourish the Risk Takers, because where do we start to create what's possible versus I'm just going to tear down the gate walls and how much people are getting paid to do these jobs. What's possible with the neurodiversity media network? So that's a really interesting question. We, all of the live streams are obviously free. So if you come live, you get to consume it live. After it's been uploaded it gets paywalled after three months or so. And then paid subscribers get access to, once the Masterclass series is complete, there's a page with all of the links and things and transcripts so you can go and, like, binge it if you want to. But I do think there is a real truth to the idea that media in this, my country, probably in yours too, is the province of mostly upper class, mostly white folk. Because to make it to a level where you're actually getting paid well, you have to do a lot of years of unpaid internships. Right. Of getting paid five cents a word to write something, which means that your living has to be subsidized. And I'm going to be in 100% clear disclosure here. When I decided to launch the network, there was a sit down conversation in my family with our budget and the two people who pull in you know we bi-weekly paychecks this could be rough for a few months until i have things up and rolling because this is an entirely new model that i'm creating here nobody's substack exists but what i'm building on substack is different yeah yeah it's a lot of writing mostly maybe a little bit of art but you're basically creating the the podcast network Uh uh-huh And so while I am building this out, I am, me too, being subsidized to create media that is more accessible for people. Right. So by investing in you, we're not just investing in you then. We're investing also in your family. Mm -hmm. And we're investing in the people who are creating the content for the network. Mm -hmm. And my long long-suffering operations manager who mostly gets paid in my love and adoration. Heather. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Heather. <laughs> we we hear about you all the time. You glorious human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is like when we talk about ripple effect too of nourishing the risk taker. So you are taking on a huge risk. So first of all, you're creating a new model you're also creating a model on a platform that it was not meant necessarily for that. I mean, some people do have it. Um, definitely there's like some musicians who are kind of creating podcasts slash music. And so they're using that sound in there. Um, 
but you're also asking people to invest in an idea for change. I think that we can't, the complaint right now, mainstream media, is that we're not actually getting the information that we need. And there is truth to that. And also, that's the model. Yeah. Yep. So if you want something different, you have to build something different. I understand that 100%. And I don't think that I ever, like, would have said, I'm going to build a new media model. Because if that is what I would have said... I'd have thrown it away. What I said was, I still think there's actual value in long form, in-depth content and that people are starving for depth in a world of shorts and short form content. I agree with you. I think the more, the shorter we get with our content the shorter our spans are getting to. And so we're a product of that. And the more we play along with these, you know, these short form video content or these little blurbs or the little bite-sized pieces, we're actually eroding our ability to focus on longer content. I can, I can listen to things for four hours, six hours, eight hours. I love radio show murder mystery. (laughs) I am so excited about how podcasts have started really getting into like the novels. Radio plays were something beautiful and amazing and I was sure they were gone but in fact I just have to go to Spotify and I can find dozens of them and they're story based and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I saw that the other day somebody was recommending they're like, oh, your podcast shouldn't be longer than 20 minutes. I'm like, who has time to go through an idea in 20 minutes? I mean, I, I sometimes can, but like when you and I are doing this, 20 minutes would never be enough. Well, we've been on the air for 29. Yeah. And we haven't and- got past the intro yet. Right. I feel like we're still just scraping the surface. Yep. So, you know, sometimes I worry that it can be a little jarring to jump into the middle Mm -hmm. because we're only doing an hour at a time. But I also feel like that's part of how we get curious. Mm Mm-hmm. When I say, we talked about this on a previous episode, you go, oh, well, let me go hear that one. It's not about backtracking you through my content. Okay, it's partially about backtracking you through my content. But mostly it's about the way in which we learn. And it's not linear. And I think as a lifelong unschooler, I have real advantages in seeing the ways in which my children have cotton onto things at times when my oldest didn't read until she was nine. 
We just read to her. It's not like there wasn't information being absorbed. She mm -hmm. just didn't have any motivation to read mm -hmm. until she decided she needed it. My middle kid did not learn how to spell until he needed it to talk to people in Roblox. Learning isn't linear. Being aware of the ways in which things connect is not at all linear. And if you want to have an idea, you got to get curious. Yeah. So when we talk about nourishing the risk takers, is being curious nourishing? Absolutely. Curiosity killed the cat. And everybody leaves out the second part of that saying. Yeah. Satisfaction brought it back. Yeah. Curiosity is what sparks my desire to learn and build things bigger than me. Well, why is that the way that it is, is what makes me go to figure out a system only to discover that, oh, well, that's broken. But I wouldn't have asked if I didn't have that initial spark of curiosity. So when people come to the Neurodiversity Media Network, and I'm going to put up the link again here, just in case people are listening to this and wondering, how do I get more of this? How do they satisfy their curiosity? That's a good question. At the moment, it's very much around Substack's layout. So it's chronological, mm. which I am not, sure is the best way to spark curiosity but i am playing with like thematic tags i think that is a good way to explore things in depth i personally have started playing a lot with chat gpt and asking it questions mm -hmm. on on our website, though, it's just see a title and dive in. Mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to learning, mm -hmm. so much of it is spoon-fed to us. Mm -hmm. Part of unschooling is not teaching my children. The biggest part is teaching my children how to teach themselves. Right. Through discovery, right? Like through discovery. Like it really is, like you said, I'm going to learn how to spell because I got to communicate to, to on Roblox. Uh -huh. Yeah. What does it look like to self-educate? And truly, I think most of us don't have any idea. We, no, we don't know how to be open to learning. No. Yeah. And it's because we hate learning because of the way that it was dispensed to us oftentimes yeah. through force yeah, as mandatory. children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As opposed to being so curious in the world that we go and 
you know, take things apart just to see how they're put together and then put it back together and see if we can put it back together in a better way. We're not allowed to do that. No, and I think that we are often reprimanded when we try and learn for ourselves out in the world. Well, who gave you that idea? Or where did you learn that? Mm -hmm. We're always questioning the validity of information, especially now in the information age, when the entirety of the world's knowledge is right here in my hand. Mm -hmm. What's accurate, what's not, what's truth, what's conspiracy, we don't know. And we're not taught the critical thinking required to parse that information ourselves. Yeah, I sometimes ask people the question, when did that become true for you? Ah. And if they can't actually tell me when they read an article or when they saw it on the website or when they were talking to somebody or they went to a seminar, um, usually if it starts with, oh, I, I'll give you a link to a YouTube video, I'll be like, okay, that gets that tells me a lot. <laughs> but it's like, when did that actually become true for you is not when you heard it the first time. It's when it became true for you in your mind. Mm -hmm. And people don't know when that happened because they're, they're always taking in this content. And then if they get an inkling, they go and research along those biases. And then they're not actually sure when they stopped thinking critically. <laughs> Either. And let's be fair, the way the technology is currently designed reinforces those biases. Absolutely. So the content you consume leads the algorithm to give you more of that type of content. And that's true of social media, but that's true of Google to when you search and you click on the new york times versus fox the next time it's going to push new york times up instead of fox and again i'm not saying either of these are particularly valid or unvalid sources of information yeah you have to actually parse that out every single time well the new york times could have a for and against mm -hmm. just published days apart Right. But if you search one keyword, you're only going to see that one story and you're not seeing the the opposition to it. Yeah. And I think we are so willing to allow our opinions to be informed by other people rather than what we feel is true. So there's comments on each of the podcasts, like in Substack, you can go in and mm -hmm. comment. What I might, what I will find interesting is a year after you're doing this, if we come back to it and see if people actually do engage and say, I hear what you're saying. However, in my opinion here, this is different because that's when I think then you'll get the media going. Because really, even though we might be an expert, and I say this too, I've only, I've only been a part of the communities that I've been a part of. There are, mm -hmm thousands of different types of communities around the world if i stop listening to those other communities and their experiences i think i stop learning 
right? So I want to hear different different things. Like you, you've heard that, you know, great, Marisa, you, you have that experience. Here's our experience. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. That's where I see the potential. Whereas mainstream media, you can't have those conversations because people. I think wading into the comments is truly one of my favorite pastimes. Go and read something and whether assess your own personal confirmation bias around it and then go read the comments because truly people will say horrific things in the comments and when you set aside the language what are they saying what is the actual conversation about and we don't get to have a conversation with our media. No, we don't. That's my whole goal here is for people to be able to participate, not just in creating the media, but in shaping it long-term. What works now won't work two years from now. Mm -hmm. So how are we constantly building something that is accessible to people. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. We have mm -hmm. to fucking ask. Sorry. So when it comes to nourishing in your, in your own life, how comfortable are you in your relationship to asking for help? I've gotten pretty good at asking for help. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for you? Um, it's about being very specific about what I need. Not asking for things that are tangentially related to what I need. Not being unwilling to ask multiple times and definitely not compromising what that need is. So not everyone is right for everything. And one of the things that I have had to learn is that I need a large support network so that when I ask for help, I can ask the right person for help. So when it comes to the neurodiversity media network, I keep coming back to this. How have you asked for help out of your network to help you get founding members in? Well, we ask in most episodes, Marisa smacked me down for this fairly hard, fairly early on. So now we're much better about asking. Okay. Yeah, that was brutal when I did that. I was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> terrible when you get smacked down in the best and most loving of ways truly asking for money is a hard ask for most people and how and much it, is it per year oh gosh 
300, I think, per year, I, I, which is significantly less than I used to sell my time for when I was consulting and coaching. Yeah. By magnitudes. Okay. So, again, for me, there's some obligation around how I feel about me being the one putting the information out and asking directly for my own personal support is hard, can be difficult. I will cop to that. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways that people can be helping you um, with this. I mean, part of it is you, you did that today. You asked what, you know, what do you want to learn um, next? So you're getting people to help feed you ideas and that's great. I, I think, I mean, I, while we were sitting here, of course, you know, my brain goes off in a million times. I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want a badge for my website. Um, especially like an, as seen on, um, I would love. Oh, I got to make you one of those. Yes. Yeah. A badge. And then that directly goes to the, you know, enjoying, and I can have like a little blurb that's like, you know, not only am I a contributing member to the neurodiversity media network, but you too can become a founding member. How does that help me? Right. And then I've now shared the ask. It's not just you right now. I'm asking other people, my, my network to invest in me by investing in you. Right. Because you've given me a platform. That's I'll be awesome. honest. I have had several people say to me, what are you charging for this? When I go and be like, hey, I got a podcast in the back of my van for you. Yeah. I'm not actually charging anyone to be my co-host. I'm, And that's an interesting topic because I've seen very sure people, very certain people of their opinion will be like, well, paying for a podcast, I'm giving them my expertise. There's, there's these up and down things. And it's like, well, you know, yes, you're giving them your expertise, but you're also getting their audience. You're also getting the work that they do. I'm of, I'm of two minds. There's always paid advertising. A lot of people get really upset about advertorials, but I'm only mad when they're not declared. Um, but advertorials are also great. It's it's like a it's a it's a spot for me to see in a longer form content of how the company sees themselves. Same with you. We're we're still getting it's not like you're doing hard hitting journalism. You're not Barbara Walter like you're letting us say what we want to say. You're letting us create the key messages, the content, the SEO opportunity for that to come back to us. We're we're we're, all we're doing is, you know, leveraging our network to get our voices out there. That to me deserves to be paid. So even if you did put a fee on there, it's, it again is part of investing in the thing that you're creating. It's basically coming together and saying, can we pool our resources in order to create this thing outside of ourselves that benefits us back? You know, I think, this is the part of nourishment that is difficult, right? How are we growing our communities and also providing for ourselves? What are we doing to lift people up while also making sure there is food on the table? And 
I don't think there's ever a right answer. I don't think there's any one true way. I think we get to choose how we want to charge people. And I think we get to choose the ways in which that feels good in our souls, because you're right. I, I could and have, will maybe consider it. What I am leaning into now currently is paid advertorials from me read live on the air because I'm not going to I'm not going to allow sponsors whose whatever product services, whatever I don't believe in. And for those sponsors, the benefit is not just benefiting me, but the work. Right. I mean, there's there's some interesting opportunities there where you create these really aligned sponsorships. I mean, we were talking about, um, you know, I said people can sponsor the host, right? People can sponsor. There's a lot of power in that if that a company comes forward and says, I actually want to sponsor Marisa. We're a community-based platform and we would like to sponsor Marisa. I have to then go, okay, what's that relationship? Because it's not just you. It's it's they've now put their name on me, right? Which people might think that I endorse what they do. But in some cases, that might be amazing. Like a company comes for, I absolutely would want to endorse them. And I'm excited that they're giving you money. And it's an opportunity for me also to be aligned with a brand that I might not have the opportunity in anything else I'm creating. Well, and when we are building communally, right? If someone came to me and said, I want to sponsor Marisa's show, I would absolutely be coming to you and saying, this is the person who wants to sponsor this show. How do you feel about that? If you are not the right person, maybe I can shift them to another show. Maybe I can just do bulk ads. There are options if I feel good about them as a sponsor, but we get to build communally when we're intentional about it. Yeah. I mean, in mainstream media, you don't get a choice. I'm always cringing when I'm reading some sort of like horrific news about some sort of violence. And then I see a friend's ad like right in the middle of the article. I'm like, oh, no, like, oh, no. Right. And it's like you don't get that choice. Your ad just you're on the the Google network and it delivered it. Um, And those that that horrifies me. But the opportunity where even me as a sponsor could align myself with one of your hosts and being able to like, again, it's, it becomes this association. It becomes this community where I'm now investing in both of you. And that to me is, is really powerful. It's really powerful to lend our dollars to a voice. You know, whether we're, we're sponsoring political campaigns or a network like this, our dollars are speaking for us. So what are they saying? That's the question. That's right. And when it comes to media in particular, and you're right about pay-per-click ads, right? Even as the host provider of them, I don't get to choose what goes there. So someone has paid me money, but it's all randomized. It's all very much, will you click on this? I think that collaborative advertising 
which I'll be honest, I don't know that I've quite seen anybody do it this way either, what I'm attempting to do here. We'll see if it works. But I think that we get to decide where the money comes from. We get to decide who we want to support and we get to decide how it's built. And I don't think that that means that we all have to be the same or that we all have to agree or that there won't ever be conflict, but we have to have a conversation about it. Yeah. I mean, part of it too is, you know, letting yourself be sponsored. I, I went through many years where I was organizing events and the idea of having other sponsors, you know, was just like, no, I can do it myself. (laughs) And I did. And then I got to the point where I was like, I need more people. I need to like pay them. And so it was like being able to drop that. The other side of it is, is I love the idea of, you know, any events that I do is that we could have a sponsor that pays for free tickets so that people can go the, the, the bums and seats allowing, because then those seats are still paid and filled and it serves a purpose because we have speakers speaking to an empty room is horrible. <laughs> you know? And so it's one of those things where it, it answers a twofold, but it also means that we have money to do the next event. You know, it's not just pay your bills this time. It's money to do the next event. Um, for us, when we have in-person events, you have to put on huge deposits on locations yeah. um, that are non-refundable. Yeah. <laughs> Even when there's a, ma- a massive pandemic going on, these are non-refundable, huge deposits. And it's it's scary, right? And so this is where I talk about these nourish the risk takers is that you're taking on this huge risk. You're creating this this. Uh, media network you're basically saying no to other things you're you're recording a podcast every day with people sometimes multiple sometimes multiple and that's time plus the you know inputting it into podium creating the the sub stack all the and, and then all of the marketing stuff that happens that's a full-time more than a full-time position it's obviously two full-time positions shout out to heather and this to me deserves to be paid for so when we talk about you know, asking people to fund the, to be a funder with this, whether it be by sponsorship or becoming a member. This is about saying to someone else, I believe in what you're doing and I'm excited to see where you go with this. The other side of it is that if people can do this without an expectation of what you deliver, that's the best thing ever. Because the thing is with the crowdfunding and the Indiegogos and the Kickstarter, people want their thing. And sometimes you just, it doesn't happen because it, and it doesn't make your money any less value because you didn't get the thing back. You said, I believed in your idea. And it, it might not be this idea, Briars. This is what I look at too, is, is bringing both my skills and my content, bringing the dollars in, whatever I can do. It might not be actually the neurodiversity media network I'm investing in. I'm investing in this idea and Briar's next idea and Briar's next idea by saying right now, this is important to me. I feel like part of what we do when it comes to taking risks is 
putting ourselves out there for the humiliating falls, right? And I do rely on my support network to catch me. I do rely on people believing in me and maybe the work, but definitely believing in me. What's that like? Sometimes it's scary, but truly most of the time it's very filling, very fulfilling. I think that the more we build our communities of care, the easier it becomes to do big, scary things. Mm. It, it's not just about info dumping. It's about that I trust, especially in the catalyst, that when I come in here and say, I built something, everyone truly is excited to see it. Not just because they too have or will dump their own thing, but because they care about me as a person and they care about yeah. my work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is this believing in ideas, believing in people, um, not for what you immediately get out of it. Because that's the thing when you're building any kind of content network or even as an influencer, like, honestly, we've got not like, even though you're doing a podcast every day, when somebody looks at it, they're just gonna be like, okay, that's one page. Like, you know, and it, and it, the thing is, is that you're going to have people who are becoming founders who never listen to one podcast and that's okay. I have members of the catalyst who never come into the workroom and I'm like, are you sure you want to keep? And they're like, yep. And again, I know that they're not just investing in this one idea. They're investing in all my future ideas. And I'm going to let them do that. Yeah, I think that one of the most important lessons I've ever learned is to stay out of other people's wallets. I don't yeah. get to choose how they spend their money. And if you choose to spend $25 a month or $300 a year or $1,000 for a set of ads then bless you, first of all, and thank you for allowing the work to proceed. At this point, I often feel like it's less about me and more about channeling this thing into being. I don't know how much of this actually came from me because again, I would not have set out to reinvent media if I had been given a whole lot of say in the matter. Instead, I was like, oh, I've got this idea. And then everything just started happening. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how the catalyst came about, right? It was just like, Hey guys, do you want to get a place where we can just go chit chat and, not have to worry about people going, that's not business related. And, and then, and you just, you know, go and, you know, Hey guys, want to see the cool thing I built? You know, okay, now truly, like, we have so many great Star Trek conversations. That's worth every cent. Yeah. I actually have a whole meme for you uh, about, or sorry, a, a TikTok that I have to show you where oh. the guy basically says you're, if you're ADHD, you like and uh, Star Wars, I think it is. And if you're a testic, you like Star Trek, or it could be the opposite. But anyways, I saved it for you. Thank you. Like, Briar will also appreciate this. Because of course, I like Star Wars and Star Trek, which is not the a big The best surprise. friend homework. 
the best friend homework. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, this is the, the beautiful part about being nourished. So the other side of it, and we've kind of touched on this is how are you about receiving help? Mm. That one was also a hard, hard thing to learn. Actually, I think probably harder than asking. Um, my general, and I don't know if this is just my personal upbringing or being coded as female or what, but it took me a lot of years to break the return offer that when somebody helped me, I was obligated to reciprocate. Yeah, that's tough gross. <laughs> and I think we have to come to a place where we realize what we actually have the capacity to offer. So what I will offer is not, almost never in kind. The things that I need help with are not things that I can help people with. So how can I accept help without feeling obligated? And that truly is a lot of internal work. Especially if you have a dysfunctional family of origin. Yeah, I mean, there's and there's a lot of things where we can talk about being neurodiverse too and asking for help. Um, you know, and you, you know, this cause you have kids in school systems and, you know, asking for, um, what are they called? The IEP or whatever the individual education plans, um, and, and having that and the work that goes into that and the ongoing work that goes into that, um, both from your side and the teacher side and your child side and all that stuff. I'll be and honest. If we had public schooled, my children probably wouldn't have IEPs because of the amount of work that that would have required from me. Right. The paperwork in particular is something I really struggle with. Once again, shout out to Heather, because I got to have somebody in my life who is like, no, no, you actually do need to save your receipts for your accountant, Briar. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah um but yeah I know I, my my mom's like well my mom asked me once she's like what's if you could have any help in the world what would it be I'm like someone who went into my bags pulled out my receipts and then did whatever needs to happen for them to go into QuickBooks and she was like that's that is actually amazing who does that <laughs> who does Nobody that man if it existed, take my money, right? To someone that comes over to your house once a day and is like rummages through all of your stuff, goes in your car, looks under the seat and is like, I got that receipt. Or like, I checked your mileage. I'm going to enter your mileage for you. It's like, um, you know, those kind of things that just help you be great. You know, one day that's my dream. But until then. Is that a personal accountant? That's that's like a personal it, it's it's past personal assistant. It's personal accounting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. There's a business idea for you. 
who wants it we're we're offering it up to you for free please let me pay you a monthly stipend so that you can come over to my house and yes. rummage through my purse please and- create an entire network that is across North America of people who are willing to do this in various cities and we will help you promote it. Oh because, yes, we will. Because you would, you will be a bazillionaire. <laughs> just some person coming over. Like what a great retire, like people who are kind of in the retirement fit, you know, and they just want to come, you know, and just make sure you're all your receipts are put into QuickBooks like genius. We've just created a multi-billion dollar industry. Somebody <laughs> needs to take this from us. Please, somebody, take it. You just hear this rustling downstairs. You go down and there's there's the accountant. Just be like, I'm just grabbing these. Uh, also, you forgot to put the chicken back in the fridge, so I just put that in. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And off they go. Like, how great would that be, right? Just with all like those paper and just like, you know, just scurry out of the house before you, you know, you tell them about the sock drawer or the, or the bathroom cupboard that has receipts in it. It's best they not know, Uh, you know. (laughs) So bad. Yeah. Well, now we've just created a bazillion dollar idea for people. Okay. Somebody, but neither one of us are going to be the ones to execute on it. So. So Briar, over the next year, over the next 12 months, I'm just curious. I haven't asked anyone this yet, but I I know you'll answer, honestly. How are you going to nourish yourself? So one of the things that I'm actually looking to do this year with the money given to me by supporters and advertisers is hiring a personal assistant who probably won't purse rummage, although I may now put that on the list. But I definitely need... I need a butler. I need someone to manage certain aspects of my life that I am incapable of. Like, I bought this pair of... I bought a new pair of compression gloves for my hands. I cut the tag off and accidentally ripped the seam. I've had that pair of compression gloves in my closet for well over a year now because I am clearly incapable of pulling out the needle and thread and it's five stitches. It's probably not even that. But they're compression gloves, so they have to be fixed. I can't just have this hole. I'm I'm incapable. I I need somebody to actually manage the personal details of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a valid, like, that's a valid ask, you know, and. I think I I look at, like, old academia, Mm -hmm. right? When it was largely white men who were professors mm-hmm. and these guys had a whole staff. They mm-hmm. generally had a wife, mm-hmm. but they also had adjuncts and assistant professors, yeah, yeah. TAs, all of those things. Like their job was to do the big think things. Yeah. And 
people supported that goal. I do not think it is an unreasonable request for the people who are doing the big thinky things in the world right now to figure out ways to find staff, to find support. Yeah. And that means if we find somebody with some big thinky ideas, that's really cool. We might be buying them coffee, multiple coffees, a subscription of coffees um, in order for them to keep doing that. One thing I really love about the Substack model is that I am, I, I truly do feel like those few dollars are contributing to greater things in the world. Yeah. I'm reading things and watching things and listening to things that are measurably improving my life. And because the format of it is largely long form. There are no Gary V's. And there's nothing inherently wrong with Gary V. But there is no. There's no lack of substance here. Everything right. that I consume and that I contribute to as a reader has substance even if it's my one of my favorite sub stacks is a salad newsletter I, I just get salad recipes two three times a week just like here's the new salad like yeah amazing it is yeah yeah I need a casserole sub stack I just love good oh, casseroles. I'll, 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 I'll keep an eye out for one <laughs> I just love warm casseroles, uh, you know, and, and then that, and that's it too, is like, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, I was doing research even last night. Um, Channel makers was talking about um, earning income off YouTube and the numbers of subscribers were not ginormous, but the numbers of income were, and, uh, and the, you know, a lot of it was through sponsorship. A lot of it was through affiliate links. And a lot of it was just, you know, there was a bit of YouTube ads, but a lot of it was just the subscribers loving the content and create and tipping. And I think this is, again, I think we're just missing such an important way that we can nourish others in a, in a, in an amount that might not, we might not even know is, you know, we might not even notice. I think part of embracing the creator economy yeah. is not that you have to go out and be a creator, yeah, but that you get to consciously consume other people's creations. Mm -hmm. And I get to be discerning. And that's the difference. I choose which Patreons, which Substacks, yeah. which buy me a coffees I'm giving money to. Yeah. And it really ranges the gamut for me, but I'm never f and ever feeling like I'm not getting what that 10 or $30 is worth. Yeah. And I mean, I, the worst thing is like when you're like an incredible, amazing creator and then you're like, I'm a full-time accountant and I also do this on the side. And it's just like, oh man, imagine what you could do when you just get to be this. 
right? And that's where people, some people say, oh, get a real job or all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, it's a lot to create content. It's a lot to build a system. It's a lot to figure out ways to make it sustainable for yourself. It absolutely is a full-time job. Oh, yeah. And the other part of it is, why the fuck not? Like, when did we decide that work had to be drudgery and painful? When did we decide that I couldn't actually truly make money off of art. And I feel like this is a recent historical development. We act like this is that, that a creator economy is new, but I'm pretty sure Leonardo da Vinci made his entire living off of a creator economy. Yeah, I mean, it's only a couple hundred years old where the propaganda moving to North America and working hard and earning your big freedom and all that stuff that they put over there. But in, yeah, Shakespeare toured around, got paid. Creator's economy. Creator's economy. This stuff was has been going on. Michelangelo got, you know, he he got commissioned to do things that wasn't just like he didn't have a, you know, his tip jar out on the side of the Sistine. You know, people were like, actually, I need you to paint this, this ceiling. And it's grudge. It's work. It's actually work that like impacted their bodies, right? These large scale murals, these paintings that they poured into these things. These were, I mean, Van Gogh lost his ear to his heart and his madness, you know, like these are things that like, these are sacrifices and it's the same thing. It's like, you, you think you deserve to get these reels or you think you deserve to get these TikToks or these short form content. You think you deserve to get YouTube content. You think you deserve, well, those folks deserve also to be compensated and not have to struggle to do both in order to pay their bills. Yeah. I don't think it has to be either or. I think no. that it can be both and. And I do think that Part of the hostility is partially envy as people are doing jobs and drudgery that they hate. Mm -hmm. And that's information. How long are we going to let this system that's been created for us take over our entire lives i'm hoping only another eight months because i've got some things to do and it's starting to get really annoying like it was annoying but now it's like really annoying and i'm just i'm done with this type of economy i'm 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 clocking you on that eight months let's i'm doing what i can i mean i'm hustling if anybody would like to sponsor create the rules (laughs) <laughs> if anybody wants to sponsor, my tip jar is always open and there is no limit. So if anybody wants to dr- drop a mill, I'll see what I can do about changing the entire economy of the world. I'm ready. I might need about a bill, maybe a maybe a one B, um, but not much. So feel free. I do think that what we have to do is look at our communities and look at our collaborations and figure out the ways in which those things work and lean into that. There, there's no, arguably, 
reinvention without some trauma, or we can just ignore those things. We can ignore the system. We're ignoring the systems that don't work mm-hmm. and we're leaning into the ones that do. Yeah, I think I'm also getting, I, I've, I've been saying this to my friends, which I've seen them roll their eyes, but I've been getting tired of just like the naysayers, like the people who are like, this doesn't work anymore. I'm like, nobody cares. Now we have to figure out what does work and we have to start creating that and just operating in that system, like as if it was normal, like we just start, like you're doing that, right? You're just like, actually, now I have a neurodiversity media network and here's the sponsor, here's the ways that you can join. You just do it. Like, you're just like, and this is normal. And then when you look at people who are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this as a job or get a real job. And you're like, you just look at them like, oh, you didn't know that this was normal? Oh, hmm. Well, now you do. Curiosity is also about running experiments. And sometimes those experiments fail but sometimes they succeed and you have to actually experiment to know. Yeah. It's time to start to gaslight the capitalists. Just saying. Interesting. (laughs) All right. I'm with you. Let's do it. I'll make the t-shirts. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Briar, we could talk for a bazillion years. I want you back. We'll, we'll do this again. Let's keep talking about how we nurse risk takers. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, tell people how they can find you. How do they become a, either a sponsor or a participant or a funder? Thank you. So you can find us at neurodiversitymedianetwork.com. You can become a founding member there. It is $25 a month, $300 a year. If you would like to sponsor, if you'd like to advertise, you can join us at briarharvey.com slash partners. And currently we are looking for people to support either shows or host workshops. One of the things I like about this collaborative advertising model is that I get to try new things. So I'm really excited to figure out if there are ways to advertise that have never been done before. If you have ideas, I'd love to hear them. Cool. All right. And then I like to just take a moment and say what I appreciate about you uh, and what I like about you and what, you know, what I like about you being in the catalyst. So Briar, I, I think if nobody knows this, I always like telling the story. I actually met, I found Briar on YouTube. I was researching a video and Briar had this, like, um, this podcast, this video cast, I guess, about uh, the movie. And I was like, Oh, I like Briar. And then oddly enough, like a couple days later, you know, in the creepy internet world, social Facebook was like, do you know Briar? Like, maybe you know Briar. And I was like, no, but I just watched a video on YouTube. And then I think I, I, either I did it or you did, we became friends on Facebook. And then we started seeing each other in various circles on the Facebook world. What? Clubhouse. Remember when there was Clubhouse? Clubhouse. Let's not get get crazy there. Uh, (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's what I like about you. One, you do, you take up space. You will take the time you need to tell the story. You will take the time you need 
to make sure there's understanding. You will take the time you need to create the bridge or the relationship. And I find that incredible because in a time where we are always rushing, we just talked about short form content. We talked about the short attention spans. You will demand and then show up for the time it takes to do that. Which is interesting, given that you have ADHD (laughs) and there's so many squirrels in the park. But when it comes to this, when it comes to an idea, when it comes to a person, when it comes to building that relationship, you show up for that space. And I love watching you do that. I love when you I love when you're like, I'm just going to mute right now and I'm just going to come. I'm just going to think about this for a bit. And then you come back and the ability to take that space, to not know all the answers, to go and think about it and to let it sit and, and to see and to. I'm 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 guessing it's just like a little internal conversation you have with yourself about how you're going to respond. It's so important and it's so magical and it's so important in our community because people are starting to mirror that. I'm seeing that people are giving themselves permission to not answer a question right away. They're giving themselves permission to change their mind. They're giving themselves permission to ask, uh, you know, what would make this even better? And they're giving themselves that permission to mute themselves and go into another room and then come back in. And there's no like shame. There's no like embarrassment. There's just being you. And I really love that gonna make me cry over here that is an incredible compliment thank you and you're a valuable part of the catalyst so i mean we have a whole room that was that's you know, well we have several rooms we have several uh, rooms like, now that we i have, have a room inspired. that does this and i'm like doo, 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 doo. um but you know you can often find briar in the cat a list room which is uh involves a cat purring for 25 Hi. minutes <laughs> Listen, that's worth the whole membership right there. The catalyst. How can you not love the pun? I know we're we've had a now request for you know some some dog themed. So now I have to think of like how we're gonna fit that into it. The dogalist doesn't quite have the same ring. Doesn't have the same ring, and we'll make it work. <laughs> Absolutely, the Bark Academy or something. Who knows something something in there um but thank you very much for being a part of my community thank you for being a member that people look forward to being in a room with um thank you for being that support system for for so many in that room whether it's about accessibility or systems or um you know creating podcasts with them and encouraging them to be the experts in their area because i think for a lot of people too that come into the catalyst is no one's ever asked them to do what you're doing. You really are seeing people and then you're helping others see them too. And that's priceless, right? So thank you for doing that. I really appreciate you. And yeah. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Thank you for listening to Nourish the Risk Takers, a podcast where asking for help becomes easier and receiving the help becomes life-changing. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our mailing list at createtherules.com to get notified when the next interview is released. Follow us on all socials at Create the Rules for in-between insights, talkbacks, and more. Thank you for being here.